Coming up on The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. When you're standing and there's a mountain in front of you trying to stop, you speak to that mountain. You use the authority that I've given you. You speak to that mountain. You command it to be cast into the sea. In other words, get gone. Never come back. I don't want any trace of you in my life. And you believe what you're saying will come true. But if you remember while you're praying that you have ought against somebody, deal with it. Because authority in God only flows out of a sweet spirit. Exodus 15, verse 22. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, they named the place, the name of that place was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree, and when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue. And an ordinance for them, and he, there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Now, we know that the book of Exodus, really the Old Testament, is very, very, very symbolic in what it says. An example of that is the Passover. When the 10th plague came upon Egypt, you remember God told the children of Israel, take a male lamb. That was Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Take that unblemished male lamb, bring it into your home for several days. In other words, fall in love with it. Let it be a part of your family, this little lamb. And then kill it. Take its blood, wipe it on the doorpost of your house, and when I strike the firstborn of Egypt, when I see blood, the blood of the lamb on your house, on your doorpost, the doorpost of your heart in the New Testament, I'll pass over in the same death and judgment that I bring to Egypt, I will not bring to you simply because that you're under the blood of Jesus. And so that's highly symbolic of salvation, of the blood of Jesus being put on the doorpost of our hearts when we get saved, and how God then saves us from judgment and death through that blood. Then they go out through the Red Sea, again, which is symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a very interesting thing. They go through the Red Sea, and the sea parts for the children of Israel, and then comes back and kills Pharaoh and his army, which means the same blood that saves us destroys the enemy. And so this all is very symbolic. Now they come to a place of bitter waters, Kalmara. They're three days into the wilderness. This is dangerous. There are several million Jews who have come out of Egypt, and I'm sure they had containers of water, they had canteens, they had bowls, they had jars of water that they brought with them, but they're now three days into the wilderness, several million people, and they come to a place of promising water, but in fact, the waters are bitter. Mara means bitter. And so they come to these bitter waters, they begin to complain against Moses and say, what in the world's going on here? And they're constantly you know, complaining that God's trying to kill them. And the, the Lord says, take that tree and throw it into the water, and the waters will become sweet. And that's, in fact, what happened. They took the tree, symbolic of the cross of Jesus, and they threw the, the tree into the waters, and the bitter waters became sweet. Let, let me talk about some lessons that we learned from Mara, some, some important lessons. One is the importance of simple obedience. They, they come to 
the, the waters there of Marah and Moses prays and God says, take that tree and throw it in the water. It's such a simple solution for such a huge problem. And I want you to know that most of what the Bible says is simple, but when you do it, it's powerful. It will revive your soul. It will give joy to your heart. It will make your eyes radiant. And they come to a place that is bitter and God's answer is just throw a tree in, one tree, just take that tree and throw it in. Apply the cross to that situation and the bitter waters will become sweet. The second lesson we learn is the importance of grace. They're, they're now, this is God's first demonstration to the children of Israel of his grace. Now, the, the judgments that came on Egypt were certainly God delivering uh, Israel by his grace, but they were judgments against Egypt. They were demonstrations of his power. Everything they did in Egypt was works and performance. They woke up in the morning, they worked for the Egyptians. If they did a good job, they didn't get beat. <laughs> they didn't get any brownie points for it. If they did a good job, they didn't get beat. If they didn't do a good job, they got beat. Everything was about performance. Everything was about what they deserved. And they were cruelly oppressed. Now they come out, they haven't done anything to deserve anything. And they come out and the tree is thrown into the waters and the waters become sweet. And this is God's first introduction of himself to a children, a people who only know performance motivation. They only know the legalism of Egypt and now they're being introduced to grace and God is trying to put a different face on himself. And now in, in the wilderness, God is going to gift them manna and gift them water and gift them protection and gift them a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And everything that happens to them is not because, it's in spite of them actually. And that's, that's the truth about salvation. But the third lesson is the lesson of forgiveness. Is this, this represents the bitterness in their spirits. You have to remember that the children of Israel had been through hundreds of years of cruel oppression, and it changes you. You know, some of our parents came out of, you know, the Depression or World War II, or they came out of, you know, very, very severe times. And some people get through it okay, but for some people, they don't get through it. And for the rest of their lives, it really defines their lives. The Red Sea was about getting Israel out of Egypt. Mara is about getting Egypt out of Israel. The land, the promised land is a land full of milk and honey and bitter waters will spoil it. And before God leads the children of Israel on through the wilderness into the promised land, he wants them to get the bitter waters of Egypt out of their hearts. Many of us have been through bad times. We've been through bad relationships. We've been through difficulty in our lives and then God saves us and God does a work in our lives and he wants to lead us to a, a promised land a place of blessing, a place of fullness. He's gotten us out of Egypt, but he hadn't gotten Egypt out of us. And here's some interesting truths about Mara. It's the first place God brought Israel after Egypt. Forgiveness is the main teaching that Jesus brought. It's everywhere in Jesus' teaching is the importance of forgiveness. It is a primary thing for us to learn as believers that in our lives, we must forgive and we must keep this as an issue in our lives if we are going to walk with God the way that we desire. The second thing is this, this is an interesting thing. At the Red Sea, God did everything for the children of Israel, but at Marah, they had to throw the tree in for themselves. And here's the point. Forgiveness is an act of personal obedience that God can't do for me. The cross of Jesus cleansed me of all of my sins. I couldn't do that for myself. That's the Red Sea. When, when Jesus died for me and he saved me, 
I had to be saved by grace. I couldn't do that. But Jesus can't forgive my mother and dad for me. He can't forgive my stepmom and stepdad for me. He can't forgive my ex-spouse. He can't forgive my business partner that did me wrong. He can't forgive my friend who stabbed me in the back and spread rumors about me. See, Jesus can save me by his grace, but he can't forgive others for me. I, it's something that I have to do for myself. And here's another truth about Elam or about Mara. Mara was just prior to Elam, the place of fullness. Remember, it says they came from the Red Sea three days to Mara, and then when they left Mara, when the waters became sweet, they went to Elam, and there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. This represents the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We get saved, and then the Holy Spirit fills us up. There was a well of water for every tribe of Israel, and there were these palm trees. And this is an oasis, and it just represents the fullness of God that empowers us not just to get through the wilderness, but get to the, to the promised land. God wants us to live in the fullness of his Holy Spirit. But the fullness of the Holy Spirit cannot exist where bitterness exists. They had to get past Mara to get to Elam. Now, listen, listen to me now. I've been talking to you about power and authority. We have power and authority in God. And Jesus is telling us this incredible truth that if there's a mountain in our lives, a mountain is something the devil puts in front of us that we can't move. It is an impediment to God's will being done in our lives, whether it's a financial mountain, a physical mountain, a relational mountain, whatever that mountain is, there's a mountain in front of us and we have a dream in our hearts and that mountain is our, our dream breaker. And we, we're looking at this mountain and Jesus says, you have authority. You have authority. When, when you're standing and there's a mountain in front of you trying to stop, you speak to that mountain. You use the authority that I've given. You speak to that mountain. You command it to be cast into the sea. In other words, get gone. Never come back. I don't want any trace of you in my lives. And you believe what you're saying will come true. But if you remember while you're praying that you have ought against somebody, deal with it. Because authority in God only flows out of a sweet spirit. God cannot trust power to a person with a grudge. And he won't. And constantly the theme of the Bible is the fullness of the Spirit dwells where there's sweetness of Spirit. Where we've forgiven the Egyptians. We've forgiven Pharaoh. Doesn't matter if they're dead. Doesn't matter if it's in our past. It's our present if we haven't forgiven. And here are the dangers of disobedience at Mara. What happens if, if we don't forgive? Unforgiveness, unforgiveness ties us to the people and events in our lives in an unhealthy way. It's the number one key to freedom from your past. If you're dealing with any issue of your past, the mother of all issues is the issue of forgiveness. Because unforgiveness is an invisible umbilical cord that connects us to the people and events of our past. And it keeps feeding our spirit until we cut it. it your mother, your father, it doesn't matter how long ago it was. It doesn't matter if it was 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. If you haven't forgiven, the bitterness of that event is still feeding your spirit. And the, and the whole illustration here of Moses and the children of Israel is God freed them from Egypt. God brought them out. But it's meaningless if they don't forgive. The bitterness of their lives is going to ruin everything else that God wants to do. And they have to apply the cross of Jesus for that bitterness to go away. Have you felt overwhelmed by the challenges of life? The secret to overcoming stress and worry is living in God's presence. He'll guide you and help you overcome every negative emotion you experience. 
This series, Living in God's Presence, uses the life of Moses to show you how to possess your promised land and know God intimately. We want to get this series into your hands, and today we have an offer that will help take you deeper into your relationship with God. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the Living in God's Presence series on CD or as an audio download. And with your gift of $50 or more, you can receive the Living in God's Presence series on DVD or as a video download. Plus, receive Jimmy's life-changing book, 10 Steps Towards Christ, a practical resource that will help you overcome old habits and mindsets in order to rely on God. You don't have to live with stress and anxiety. Start your journey of intimate friendship with God today. Unforgiveness, secondly, allows demonic spirits to deceive us, use us, and torment us. It opens us up to the devil. This is Ephesians 4, 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. The word devil there is diablos. It means slanderer. In your anger, don't sin. It's fine to be angry. Everybody gets angry. God gets angry. It's fine to be angry. Just don't sin. Don't justify sin in your anger and don't go to bed on it because the Bible says if you don't forgive that thing soon and you go to bed on it, the devil's going to use that to gain a foothold in your life. And foothold means he wants to get his whole, whole body in, but he's going to use that anger as a means of, of an entry into our lives. It doesn't mean we're, that we're not saved. It doesn't mean we're not, God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that we're uh, you know, demon-possessed. It doesn't mean that. It just means in this area of my life, I'm allowing the devil in. Listen, he's a slanderer. The devil's a slanderer. You're mad at your husband. You're mad at your wife. You're mad at your friend or whatever. It's, we all get mad, okay? But you go to bed on it. And when you go to bed on it, what the devil does is he begins to slander that person to you. See, here, here's the question. How do you go, how does a couple go from being so in love in front of a preacher and so full, to being so full of hate in front of a judge? One night of anger at a time that the devil gets into and, and convinces you, you married the devil or his ex-wife. You're so in love, you have so many good thoughts about each other until you go to bed angry and you're laying back to back, not breathing, because you don't want to give your spouse the benefit of the fact that you're still alive. <laughs> I had a friend, they went to bed like that. He was mad at his wife and he laid there still, wouldn't move, but he didn't have any covers on him. So as the night went on, he just started trembling. And finally his wife said, oh, brother, and threw the blanket over on him. He lost that war. Let me say something to you. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. If you have been mad at a person for any length of time without dealing with it, the devil has influenced your thought life, whether you realize it or not. And you're probably thinking thoughts about that individual that simply aren't true. This is the danger. And this is Jesus in Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is where Peter comes to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven. And Jesus said 70 times seven. And then Jesus told a story about a man who, uh, a, a servant who owed his master $10 million, but the master forgave him. And then the servant found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few thousand dollars and he beat him until he paid it back. And this is Jesus' response to how the master responded to that servant. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. See, it's, unforgiveness is torment. I know God loves us. I know we're on our way to heaven. There's no doubt about that. But 
Unforgiveness is torment. It just is. It torments us. It causes physical diseases. It causes depression. It causes confusion. It causes oppression. It causes relational problems. It just, it's torment. And we are tormented as long as we're holding unforgiveness in us. I heard someone say one time that, un, that forgiveness is one of the most self-loving acts you will ever do. We have to get that out of us. Unforgiveness creates a spiritual block between God and us that keeps him from speaking to us, using us, and blessing us. Jesus, when he talked about the Lord's Prayer where forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that's the only part of the Lord's Prayer he repeated at the end. Jesus taught us how to pray, and at the end of the Lord's Prayer, he reminded us again, if you forgive the sins of others, your heavenly Father will forgive you your sins. If you do not forgive your, the sins of others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. Now listen to me. We're forgiven in Jesus. We're perfected forever by the blood of Jesus. When it says that God won't forgive us our sins, it doesn't mean we won't go to heaven. It's just a relational thing. It just means if we're going to judge others, if we're going to reject others and be ungracious to other people, it's gonna affect our relationship with God. That's all that it means. And so we need to be gracious or it affects our relationship with the Lord. Here are the four steps of forgiveness. You say, well, how do I forgive? Some people say, Jimmy, I've tried to forgive. I've, I've tried to forgive. It, it, I just, I'm still bitter, I'm still hurt. I just don't seem to be able to get over this. Well, let's talk about how to, how to forgive. Number one, repent of unforgiveness. It's a sin. It, it's a sin for God to have forgiven me all of my sins and me for not forgive other people. That's the context of Matthew 18, when Jesus tells the story of how much the servant owed his master, and he would receive forgiveness, but he wouldn't give it to other people. Number two, give your offender a high value. Don't, don't put labels on people because it gives us permission to mistreat people. Is God loves other people as much as he loves me. As much as I hate him, he loves them. As much as I'm bitter against him, he loves them. They're his children, he created them. And so I've gotta put a high value on them and understand God does also. Number three, I have to disqualify myself as their judge and release their judgment to God that I'm not qualified to judge. I, I know what they did, but I don't know why. I don't know their past. I don't know the hurts they've been through. I don't know the whole story, but God does. And here's Romans chapter 12. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. That means God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, it says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's a promise. God's gonna take care of everything in your life if you'll distrust him. He doesn't need your help. You say, well, you know, give your, if your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. Say, I don't wanna give him a drink. He doesn't deserve a drink. I want him to suffer. I'm waiting to see his obituary. I want him to suffer. You know, you know why the Bible says if your enemy's thirsty? Give him a drink because God does not need our help judging people. He can take care of all of it himself. Amen. And if we'll do what's right, so will he. But if we try to punish him, he won't. If we, if we seek vengeance, he won't. The, long, the longer we try to be God, he won't be. He's saying, don't seek, don't seek vengeance. Let God do his job as you love the people around you and it'll heap coals of fire on their head and that's a good thing. In other words, they'll feel convicted when you're loving them and they don't deserve it. They'll be a witness. Here's what forgiveness means. When you say you disqualify yourself as their judge and release them from judgment, it means I'm trusting God's wisdom and judgment in dealing with the person I'm offended towards. 
I know God will be right, and I'm trusting him to be God. I don't have to be. Secondly, I will not rehearse and nurse the hurts the person has caused me. I'm going to take my thoughts captive, and I'm not going to live in that world anymore. I'm not going to think about Egypt. I'm going to dream about the promised land. I'm not going to remember Pharaoh. I'm going to focus on God. I'm not going to let this thing stay in my head. Thirdly, I will not try to seek revenge or get back at the person I have forgiven. It's over. They don't owe me anything. They don't owe me an excuse. They don't owe me anything. It's over. I forgave them. It's over. But here's what forgiveness doesn't mean. Okay, For, That's what it means. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean I have to go back into a relationship with a person who hurt me or abused me. It doesn't mean. One of the first counseling sessions I ever had as a pastor was a woman who had been so abused by a family member. I had never heard anything like it. And still have heard very few stories of that level of abuse. And so she was tormented. She was just tormented. She'd been tormented for years. And she had not forgiven the individual. And I said, well, you're going to have to forgive them if you're going to be set free to go on with your life. And she started sobbing in my office, sobbing. And when she stopped sobbing, she said, are you telling me I have to go back into that relationship? I said, no. You don't have to let that person do that to you again. You, you don't, God doesn't want us to go into relationships that are harmful. That's, that's not what forgiveness means. But forgiveness means I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to harbor bitterness, even though I may not be in that relationship anymore. Secondly, it doesn't mean I can't confront the person about what's wrong. You know? But it just means, regardless of their response, I'm still going to forgive them. If it's my wife, if it's my husband, if it's my friend, if it's my business partner, if it's a, you know, whoever it is. I can go and confront them and say, listen, this, this is what happened. This is the way I feel about it. I want to talk this through with you. And they say, go hang it on your beak. Okay. Well, I walk away. What am I going to do? I'm going to forgive. Even if they mistreat me again, I'm going to forgive. It also doesn't mean I can't seek legal satisfaction. If a crime has been committed or a law has been broken, it doesn't mean I have to, but I just need to do it with the right spirit and for the right reasons. And so forgiveness doesn't take me into a world where I'm not protected. It just puts me into a world where I'm delivered from bitterness. And here's the last thing, and this is very important. Bless the person you're forgiving until the bitterness is gone and the hurt is healed. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. That's not trite spiritual advice. That, see, a lot of people say, um, Jimmy, I just keep praying and forgiving that person, but nothing really ever changes. See, Jesus said, bless those who curse you. I know some of you have just been through hell. The words really couldn't describe the hell you've been through in your life. The Pharaohs, the Egyptians that have hurt you, abused you, rejected you, lied about you. And see, God, God has a plan to get you out of Egypt and take you to a place called milk and honey but everybody has to come tomorrow. You're saved. The Red Sea got you out of Egypt, but Mara gets Egypt out of you. He wants to take the bitterness of your past and turn it sweet so that you're ready for a land of milk and honey. You know, one of the most important things that all of us do in our lives is forgive. Because like the children of Israel, we've all been through some tough times and some of us have been through more than tough times. We've been through some devastating experiences, abuse, rejection, divorce, the breakup of our family, the loss of a loved one, especially when it's tragic or untimely, you know, just things that, that hurt our hearts. And the worst part of it is sometimes those are connected to people. Like the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, um, 
They had just been beaten with whips and mistreated and abused and oppressed for hundreds of years. And now they had left Egypt, but Egypt hadn't necessarily left them. And so once they crossed the Red Sea, God brings them to a place called Merah, which means bitterness. They were bitter. And they were having to make a life-changing decision. Am I going to forgive? The tree represented the cross and the waters represented the bitterness that was in their hearts. The next place that they were gonna stop was Elam, the place of fullness, the Holy Spirit. But before they could experience the fullness, they had to make a decision that they were gonna forgive. This is the saying that I like, and I talked about it in the message. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. It just makes me free. And when I walk in unforgiveness, it means I can't go to the promised land. I can't live in the fullness of God. The unforgiveness connects me to people. In other words, if they would not have forgiven at Merah and the bitter waters became sweet, it didn't matter if God took them into the promised land, they're still living in Egypt because unforgiveness connects us to the people and places of our past and we can't go to our future. We can't experience our future until we let our past go and that includes the people that have hurt us. And I know that there are some people who have hurt you. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. But God has a plan for your life, a wonderful plan for your life that includes fullness and blessing and all of his promises. But you have to let people go. Uh, ex-wife, ex-husband, parent, step-parent, sibling, ex-friend, ex-business partner, let them go. Forgive them. Let the bitter waters become sweet. And then God will lead you into the fullness of his blessing. All of us have to do it. This is your merit. Throw the tree in the water and God will bless you. The secret to overcoming stress and worry is living in God's presence. He'll guide you and help you overcome every challenge. In this powerful series, Living in God's Presence, Jimmy Evans will help you discover how to know God, the authority you have over the enemy, and how to possess your promised land. There's a rock following you, and his name is Jesus. And he'll be there for the rest of your life, and he'll always give you what you need. Support the overcoming life with your gift of any amount, and we'll send you the complete series, Living in God's Presence, on CD or audio download. Receive the complete series, Living in God's Presence, on DVD or video download, and Jimmy Evans' book, 10 Steps Towards Christ, for your gift of $50 or more. The 10 Steps Toward Christ book gives you practical steps to navigate your new life in Christ. The Lord will help you solve every problem, meet every need, and conquer every enemy. Receive this life-changing series today. This year, the EXO Marriage Conference is coming to a city near you. The EXO Tour is a -a one-of-a-kind live marriage conference bringing couples together in venues across the country. The greatest marriages come from two people who just go through it together and come out on the other side and they win. Hear Jimmy Evans and many other remarkable speakers communicate on how to have a thriving, healthy marriage. Find an EXO Tour location near you and come together with other couples as we unite to strengthen families and start something new in your marriage. Even in the midst of something that you thought, I don't know if we're going to make it through this, when you come together and you lean on God together and you refuse to give up, He can do the miraculous 
Experience why so many couples call the EXO Tour an unforgettable investment for their marriage. We believe that your family has a bright future. For more information and to register at a city near you, visit exomarriage.com slash tour. Thank you for watching The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Support The Overcoming Life with your best gift and receive the series, Living in God's Presence. Experience the EXO Tour at a city near you. Visit exomarriage.com slash tour. Take your church to a new level with Jimmy Evans Pastor School. Access the first session for free right now at pastorschool.com. This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.